welcome everyone to the next installment of Drekken Through the Lower Decks with Dan and Ron. I'm Dan. I'm Ron. And uh, I believe Ron has the name of episode four. This would be Moist Vessel. <laughs> Very popular word, uh, moist. You know, moist is one of those words that e either people love or loathe. Uh, it it was always just a a word to me until I found out about the debate. Well, and then, and then uh, of course you have to needle everyone about like, does moist bother you? Oh, it does. <laughs> it, right. Then I, then I have to spend all my time trying not to say moist. Then so it becomes the most interesting word in the world. Moist. All right. This latest episode entitled "Moist Vessel." Uh, <laughs> I thought I thought had a had a decent cold open, uh, but I I wasn't uh, I wasn't in stitches like some of the others. Yeah, we that's when we met the uh, the, the, the uh, curmudgeonly Tellerite captain. The, yes, uh, this this cold open was plot relevant, while the others have not been so plot relevant. Right, the previous cold opens have been in the vein of the cold opens on Cheers back in the back in the day, where they explicitly had the cold open be unrelated to the episode. It was never related to the episode at hand. Yeah, it was. It was just a funny situation that was you know didn't have the merit of of a full episode. Well, this week on Lower Decks, we are introduced to our A plot. Or arguably maybe the B plot. One of our main plots, we'll say, and we'll, I'll get into more about the plot mechanics of this episode later. Uh, right away in the cold open, we're introduced to a generational ship, and the the Cerritos is teaming up with the Merced and uh, the Telluride captain, Durango, uh, apparently has passed, served with the captain of the Cerritos. A little competition between the two, for sure. A little professional competition. This species on the generational ship has amazing terraforming technology, can turn regular inorganic material into organic material instantly. They basically have a um, instant um, microwavable Genesis device. Right. It's it's just add water. Genesis device. Yeah. They, they show it getting on a tricorder, and it turns the tricorder into, like, a little squid uh, plant for a bit. A uh, that, that little bit of fun. Uh, the, the show doesn't really pick up in the humor until we're introduced to uh, the next plot of the show, which is they want Mariner to resign from the ship. They want her to ask for reassignment. So... Captain plots to give her all the filthy bad assignments. Make Ransom give her all the bad assignments. And what's her first assignment? The holodeck waste removal? That sounds like a really bad job. Especially if you're, yeah. if you're following Ransom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we had some more bleeps because what, what, he's, later Ransom says to the captain on the bridge, I even had her clean out the bleep hole bucket in the holodeck. <laughs> clean all of the bleep out of the bleep hole in the holodeck. Uh. People use it for that? That's all they use it for. Uh, and Anyhow, I thought it was very interesting. This is the first episode that followed more of a DS9 style in, in the plot progression. 
Uh, did you did you notice that, Ron? Yeah, yeah. Basically, you have multiple storylines that are uh, intersecting at different times that are only tangentially related, uh, but do interweave. And yeah, it's that's definitely more D Space Nine than um, episodic track. Yes, the uh, something DS Nine gave us was the ability to explore all these vast different characters centered around the station. And in this episode, we followed each character on their personal journey through the main plot of these two ships teaming up to tow a larger ship. Right, we also uh, got to see a little bit of uh, the, a uh, little more personality of, uh, of Tendi and her um, ascendancy quest for her coworker. Yes, yes. While while Mariner got a, a decent arc, Boimler was was kind of a side character, but we still got some character stuff out of him. Tindy had the most full story inside the episode of any of the other characters that that wasn't involved in the the generational ship towing main plot. Uh, Tindy was viewing the ascension of another crew member into that yeah that Q-like energy Which, state. Which, for whatever reason, in the Star Trek universe, the highest level of existence for any corporeal being is to become an, a non-corporeal energy being. Like, if you just live long enough and get smart enough, that's going to happen to you. Like, that's just the way it is. I'm not sure It'll how... transcend. I'm not sure how that became just the, the, the foregone conclusion of the... That's the end of your species, is to live as an energy being. Wouldn't the galaxy be full of just... Millions of energy beings at some point. I mean, it seems it's it's kind of an odd. I'm sorry for the the track tangent, but it's just one thing that's always kind of bugged me. It's like that seems to be like the end game. Like you have this Linnaean ladder of evolution, and you end with energy being. And yeah, yeah. Why? <laughs> that's a good question, and uh, I feel like they poke fun at that towards the end of the totally, episode. And we'll, we'll definitely talk about that. So, Tindy is trying to watch this guy do her, his ascension, totally ruins it, and uh, now he's mad at her, and she's trying to fix that. That's, that's the thrust of her arc for the, the, the story. Uh, Rutherford is actually assigned to the mission. He's got to watch the tractor beam fluctuations in engineering while, you know, while they're towing the ship, and so of course he loves that. Uh, Mariner, getting reassigned all these terrible jobs, uh, does the proverbial whistle while she works and manages to find fun in uh, along the way. Yeah, it's making a comp it? make it a competition, but they're phasering things off uh, debris and <laughs> right gambling on it. Like who can who can clean this fastest? Uh, so. Okay. <laughs> The captain, and, and I will admit, I said this out loud, maybe the scene before it happened. I said, oh, you know what they're going to do if she's having fun? What did they do, Ron, in response? Well, you know, you promote her. You, she you promote her. She fails her way up the ladder, which is, sounds like it's what she's been trying to do is to fail out and it just boost her back up. Um, I mean, this, 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 this character, obviously... Um, is such an interesting uh, dual personality of very capable officer, knows it all, really doesn't want to be there in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's an interesting uh, dual character here where she's the most capable person on this ship of misfits, 
but she wants she really wants no part of actually trying or working hard yes yes it she struggles with uh, i feel like the character struggles with that need to feel free of responsibility uh and the beautiful thing about the show is the emotional ties she has to the other characters always pull her into a feeling of responsibility. Absolutely. But, so when it's thrust upon her with a, something like a promotion that comes with having to go to all these meetings, fill out all this paperwork. And get these great uh, big new officers' quarters. How terrible. I, uh, <laughs> right, I, I loved when they, the, the captain takes Mariner to, uh, I, I guess they're, they're in the gathering and uh, they're watching another officer's one man stage show <laughs> oh hello I didn't see you come in there oh, kill me now <laughs> uh, and right and they, they have an awesome trek poker game and it's mandatory and of course, I, the, I of course the other officers there always bluff and never go all in this is a friendly game <laughs> the game very much a big callback to the next generation, right. where they not only had the the senior officers poker game, probably what twenty thirty times, they they had that episode called Lower Decks with the parallel action of the poker games between the senior officers and the lower decks officers. Right, and you know there are definitely uh, in TNG the officers poker was definitely along the lines of the Cerritos' officer's friendly game because no one who's really playing for any kind of stakes would ever in their right mind sit down at a poker table with an empath. Uh, right. An empath <laughs> and a fucking computer. So, you know... Right, right, right. An android and an empath. Obviously, no yeah. one's there to really win because it's not. it wouldn't happen in a real game. Yeah, what are they trading? Voyager style rations, uh, right. replicator rations. <laughs> uh, so, as so as we progress through uh, the stories, we we get a breather from Tindy's ascension. She has lunch with Rutherford in the mess hall, and they both talk about what's going on. We we're further revealed that Tindy needs people to like her yeah she's a people she's a a people pleaser and she cannot deal with not being liked and i've met a lot of people like that (laughs) it's just like that like yes feels very natural you are making me despise you by wanting to be liked stop yeah stop (laughs) just stop and uh boimler and mariner bump into each other and boimler's very jealous of her promotion because that's something that's really important to his character is that recognition and that advancement. He's right, and you know, she, Mr. Rules. she fails her way into a promotion, and he she rules right his up. way. He rules his way right into stagnation. Poor guy. Yes, yes. Uh, I actually it remind me a little bit of that Next Generation episode where Q lets Picard redo his youth yeah. just out of Starfleet Academy. And he's put into the future, and like all of his safe choices meant he never made it past Lieutenant Junior Grade. Right. Which, of course, you know, it, it, for in that episode for Picard, that's just horrible. He needs to be this person of action and to make a difference in, in a, a grander scale than being a cog in this in, in this, the machine, I guess. But that that episode also sends a message of, well, that researcher that's that lieutenant in sciences isn't very important. 
Don't you be more? Yes. Don't you want to be more important than that Jean Luc, that stupid officer in the lower decks? To me, when I was watching that episode, I'm kind of like, wow, that that's kind of a shit message. Besides, you know, Picard not being who he's supposed to be, it's kind of like that's that's a real crap message about the you know the the people who aren't the. The value of everyone. Exactly. It's like, oh, look at you, poor, worthless Jean-Luc, just a lieutenant down here your whole career. Lieutenant junior grade with no authority on the ship. If you don't have authority in command, you have nothing. Right. I don't know. That, that, that episode, to me, always always rubbed me the wrong way on that, that one note on that. It's like, really? Come on. You, you, well, you have 990 people on the Enterprise that are not important to that, and at least if you go by that logic of the episode. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't matter what other things he did in his life, what what how he spent his time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, outside of his career. I really think that Boimler kind of embodies that uh, Picard, that that play it safe Picard. Character. Oh yeah, I can see that for like, sure. Old man only ever made it to lieutenant junior grade cuz he's always doing everything by the book and playing it safe. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And then you have Mariner who does everything. She well, she throws the book out the window completely and is rewarded for her errors. Never plays it safe, but succeeds. Uh, right. So now that Boimler sees her as a lieutenant, he immediately thinks, I've got to copy her and maybe I can fail upwards. Well, see, the thing that he doesn't understand is, is that he he fails at almost everything that's not the, the by the book rule following so he's going to fail to fail that's just he's going to fail at failing that's just the way it that's, is yes yes <laughs> <laughs> that's very on character for him failing to fail uh are we're then the story moves forward as uh, the captain of the durango the telluride reveals his jealousy for the captain of the cerritos and decides to jockey for position instead of you know Tractor beaming the ship at the focal points. Right. This is this is this is our this is our mission. Move us in closer. Yeah, he's gonna. <laughs> yeah, we got to get in closer. So he moves and it starts to break up the ship. And uh, Ransom is in charge on the bridge, trying to take command. And Boimler, trying to fail, walks in with his coffee cup and uh, at a very crucial moment spills it on, on <laughs> Ransom's crotch. That's uh, gonna that's gonna ruin his next holiday session isn't it oh for sure for sure that's a (laughs) good job boimler on that so the alien generational ship as it's breaking up releases its super terraforming gas and through gets sucked up through the tractor beam and immediately the durango is just consumed and overwhelmed by being turned into vegetation and uh, that's the catalyst that pushes all of these individual stories we've been paying attention to all together and dovetails right. nicely. And once, and once you let the moist in, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, forget it. So we're given, in this chaos, we get the Tindy Ascension wrap-up, the guy that she prevented from ascension, ascending that hates her, uh, they have a good heart to heart while they're in danger. They save each other's lives. His whole ascendance thing was just a shtick. He didn't believe in any of it. Right. It was just a <laughs> shtick. Yeah. He opens up. He's like, ah. And you have to I stand didn't... out in the Starfleet. It was my ascendancy was my thing. That was the ascendant that guy. Was, <laughs> that was my thing. And uh, Mariner and her mother are, are, are together and trapped as well. And they start working together. 
and ta actually talking about their their feelings and working through a resolution. And, and felt really Ensign good. Mariner is definitely she's taking charge with her mom there and is succeeding in showing their mom that she's a badass when she when needs to be. Yes, yes. While they talk, it's it's pretty great. And uh, and then then we're actually taken back to Tindy and the Ascension guy uh, when he saves her life for saving his he actually begins to ascend <laughs> for real he's like oh crap <laughs> for real and as we were talking about earlier the ridiculousness that becoming an ed energy being is just the end result for every being every sentient being uh, he <laughs> It's very painful and it's very slow. So he's screaming the entire time. Oh God! It burns! It burns! I, I, don't, I don't want, want it to. anymore. <laughs> I don't want to. Uh, eventually, a portal opens up, and my favorite line from the episode. Uh, I'm going to read it verbatim here. The universe is balanced on the back of a giant koala. Why is he smiling? What does he know? <laughs> yeah, I love that line. It was great. What does he know? The secrets of the universe, and he fades off, <laughs> and and then he's he's gone. Yeah, that was a great moment. And and of course the resolution continues. Mariner and her mom they hug it out. Uh, everything's going well, and they Mariner's idea and plan to save the ship from this terraforming uh, process works. They save the Durango as well. They birth. They both, in fact, earn medals. And uh, uh, we're taken to a nice wrap-up scene where the two of them are with the senior staff and the admiral comes in to present the medals. And that's when Mariner realizes what just really happened. Right. <laughs> Wait, I proved I'm really good at this? They want me to do more? Okay, I need to find a way out. Yeah. I need a way out. And they, they, it served a plot point, and it was hilarious. The Admiral mentions the censors. Sensors. Not the censors, the censors. And I've just been watching through Voyager, and Lieutenant Tuvok always says censors. <laughs> and I, I swear, maybe, maybe I could be wrong. I don't know, I'm, I'm watching through casually. But I feel like when somebody's talking to Tuvok and that actor says censors, they say censors. When it's like Balana in engineering and there's no Tuvok around, she says censors. Yeah. Like you hear it both ways all over Trek and it's it's tedious. So the fact that the Admiral says censors and then the captain says censors <laughs> and Mariner says, what are you talking about? Admiral, she's making fun of you. <laughs> Yeah, it was a great, it was a great moment, and it definitely definitely got uh, served as a catalyst to get to get her bumped back to uh, the lower decks where she belongs. Yes, she so she shows a lot of insubordination and gets demoted, and uh, everybody's happy. Uh, you know, very very sitcom kind of kind of and formula and ending like, hey, we are okay, back to normal. We've had our fun adventure, but. I love the ride. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't it. it was a really good episode. Uh, we got a lot more character development. We learned a lot more about Tendi. Uh, Mariner and her mother really had some, some 
I guess, important moments together to, to build for a future storyline. So it was, a, it was a really good character episode. Um, covered a lot of ground, a lot of, uh, a lot of different things happening. Um, but uh, I really think it served the characters well. Yeah, yeah. And at the same time, it anchored the series as having some family values at its core, which Star Trek, when it dealt with family, always had family values. But only Deep Space Nine had one of the main characters actually have a child that was there and making decisions. And while I was a kid at first, the show was long enough to where he was an adult at the end. That Ex- was- absolutely. And, you know, and that, and that uh, family um, uh, dynamic in Deep Space Nine, uh, a lot of that, from what I've been reading uh, and seeing in some, some, um, some literature out there, was actually Avery Brooks's demand that um, Cisco has to have a healthy, loving relationship with his son because it's, an, it's important to show that uh, um, a career military man, especially a man of color, can have a rewarding, healthy relationship with his son, which is something that's not usually seen in, in I guess, American media. Yeah, well, certainly not in mid to late 90s no. television. No, not a bit. But that, that was, so it's, it's good to see kind of that dynamic back. Yes, yes, uh, even though it's adversarial. Or maybe it's better that it's adversarial because we get more jokes out Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so I feel like four episodes in... <coughs> excuse me. Four episodes in, and we know that Tindy's main motivation and desire is to be liked. Uh, so far, it seems that Rutherford has that competing... De- I think because of his unit. He's got a desire for Tindy to like him, and he also has a desire to just dive into machinery. He he loves the, yeah. He wants to be with it. He wants to watch it. He he is a technical minutia fetishist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He really loves it. But, you know, he's Uh, probably a stand-in for the the segment of those fans of, of Trek that that's their thing. The ships, the technology, the, the goodies, how that works. Not the story, not the plot. Right. So he, he could be a good uh, stand-in for the, that segment of fandom. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, and he's doing a fantastic job. I love the character, the voice actor, the, the whole execution of Rutherford's spot on. Uh, Boimler, obviously, we talked about he needs to follow the rules. He needs to be advancing. He needs to be recognized. Uh, I think that was part of him playing the violin requiem for a hug about his mom. Like, he really thrives on that uh, recognition from authority. He wants to be the teacher's pet. Yeah, he wants the pat on the head. And Mariner needs to feel free. She needs to feel relaxed and in control. Yeah, I think uh, if, if if she can find the right situation on the right ship, and the Cerritos might end up being that for her, she could actually be a very strong asset for Starfleet uh, in the right oh, in the sure, right circumstances. Sure. Yeah, if all goes well for her, we'll see. We'll see if she can do that. <laughs> Were there any other standout moments on the show that you wanted to talk about? I don't think so. I think we pretty much covered it all. Just a really good overall uh, character building episode. If I uh, had to pick a piece of fan fiction for this episode, I think uh, it might not be funny, but I think there's an opportunity with the alien generational ship in terms of uh, where do they come from, why are they on this ship. Yeah, you, Obviously, yeah, you, you have their past. Right, you have that, and also we have this great, this great technology that they have on there for their terraforming. What can we do with that? 
right? I mean, because obviously Genesis was a failure and a hundred years earlier. I mean, I can, I can definitely see some Carol Marcus of the 24th century going, ooh, let's get our hands oh, yeah, on this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the funny fanfic would be uh, what went down between the captain of the Durango and the captain of the Cerritos when they both served on that other ship that I didn't write down and don't remember. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the, the Tellerite captain because uh, I, I just recently completed the, in the last week and a half um, my first rewatch of Enterprise in like 10 years. Uh, watched it from front to back, um, and the Tellarites that they they introduced the Enterprise Tellarites that early version of the Tellarites um, was really interesting characterizations. That was a little bit different than how they we we saw them on the original series. They were even more gruff and insulting and rude and yeah. competitive and aggressive. I really thought the characterization of um, the, the, the Durango's captain in, in this episode, it felt spot on to how Enterprise um, uh, characterized the Tellarites. Um, they definitely awesome. were putting their, um, their ego ahead of the mission in a lot of a lot of cases. And definitely that was like the main plot point. One of my plot points of this episode is, we're in charge here. Oh, this is our mission. We're the, and yeah, it's so oh, it, it really felt it felt very closely married to the Enterprise characterizations. Um, another thing in this episode, we didn't really see Tiana much, did we? Did we see her at all? Did we see the Doctor? No. I don't think we even. Oh, oh, yes, we saw the Doctor at the poker table. Oh, that was it. That was it. Yeah. So uh, hopefully we get a, a, a nice Tiana episode where we learn a little bit more about her background in the coming episodes. She's a character I really want to learn more about, and I'd like to find out if, if they call her a Cation or a Zinti, as we referred to in a previous episode. Yes. What? I want something in episode to explain that, if possible. Uh, otherwise, people will just be arguing uh, in perpetuity, as us Trek nerds do. Yes, yes. It's, it becomes a, a logic trap. Well, she said this in this episode. Well, they also said this in this episode. It's like, they just tell us so we know. Right. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe her cat species goes through its own version of the Pond Far. Oh, that, that could be interesting. It has, has to go to the home planet. Or, you know, she's Pond Farring and Ransom's like... Hi, um, <laughs> Hello. My services are available. I'm right here. <laughs> Does someone have Kirk a style. does someone have a mating problem? <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Until next week and until next time, keep on watching, keep on loving, liking, listening, enjoying, and just doing life. Yeah, he said that. Sure, we'll go yeah. with that. We'll go with that. <laughs> we'll see you later. Bye, Take folks. care.